Welcome to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. I'm your host, Stephanie Pavlantos. With me today is author, speaker, and the founder of The Rooted Cafe, Charlie Brown. So thank you and welcome today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Stephanie. Thanks for like trusting me with your audience. This is just such a blessing. I have been enjoying listening to your podcast going through, and it's been a blessing to me as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So we've been trying to connect. We've had a few bumps in the road, but we have made it. And so we are on and we're talking together. And I'm, I'm excited about that, too. Why don't you tell my audience a little bit about yourself? Because you're quite active in many areas, and I'd like them to hear more about you. Well, I always love that question. My very first thing is I am a very active grandparent. So I have two little girls that are my granddaughters that are the light of my life. And you know how that goes. It kind of, everyone thought being a grandparent is different. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. No, really, it's it's different. And I'm just really, that's I'm Yaya to them. And when they say Yaya, I come running. So uh, my field is is all about them. I feel like I'm a retired nurse. I was an operating, operating nurse, then turned oncology nurse. So that was my profession and then went into nursing education. Currently working on a doctorate degree in women uh, in organizational leadership. I love working with women in their leadership capacities and working with them in all areas, which we'll talk about later. Sometimes as women, we're called bossy instead of we're just strong leaders. You know, little boys are never told that. I don't know how that works out. But uh, in the process of all of this, the father just before COVID dropped in my heart to build out this platform, which is now the Rooted Cafe. I had thought it was crazy and made no sense. And soon after we launched it three years ago, COVID hit. And it was, of course, like such perfect timing and such great great, uh, great, a great resource for women. And we service women who are Torah curious to fully like they're just fully living the full Torah lifestyle. And we're a women's discipleship ministry. So we help women again from the very beginning for questions. It's a safe place to ask questions, to learn, to grow. And I, we have so many, we have, I mean, about, almost a thousand hours worth of training that it's recorded. And then we, every week we're still doing live coaching and training for women in all kinds of areas, whether it's the feast, the festivals, um, all of that courses, the portions every week, we just kind of hit every aspect as well as an active, active private community of those women being able to talk and, and chat with each other. So that takes up a pretty good chunk of my time. And then the rest of the time right now, as, as we're listening to this, my book is going to into launch. It's not my weed to pull and it's uh, the diary of a control freak. I'm a self-professed uh, recovering control freak. I think that goes along with women called to leadership. We may struggle in this area or just leading in our own homes. We find that we feel like we need to control things and it's rooted in a lot of things. We're going to talk about some strongholds that can cause that. But right now I'm excited. So it's taking a lot. I'm traveling a lot, doing workshops for the book, workshops in churches and congregations, speaking at women's conferences. It's so much fun. And I'm just blessed. My, I have a very blessed life and uh, uh, married to an amazing man and have two great doggies. I know that I see you all over Facebook. I recently, I think we uh, connected on Facebook and I'm just amazed at how many times I see that you're speaking here, speaking there. And and so, and that's wonderful. And I'm I'm glad because you certainly have that 
personality. You're very outgoing and, and very talkative, and it's easy just to sit and listen. We should mention that you're also on the Messianic Lamb Network. You have a program on there as well. And what's that one called? Every week, every Friday, we go live, and then it's a rerun on Saturdays. It's called The Practical Portion. You can also find it on my YouTube channel as well. We can put all that information out for you. Mm -hmm, but we will. The uh, YouTube channel, you can find it. It's reposted there. And, and I take the, I love taking the complicated things and like Fisher pricing them down. I'll use my friend Deborah Flanagan's term. Fisher price them down to the fun, easy, practical. Like, okay, this is what you, they're saying, but how can we make this practical? Because I think we can just be so like in our heads with this knowledge, but we're not walking it out practically. Mm -hmm. So that's fun to me. And I like doing it through humor. And sometimes if, you know, I, going into congregations or going into conferences, coming in and bringing something with a humorous flair sometimes helps us be able to accept some stuff if we're laughing at ourselves a little bit and then be able to actually, it opens up our hearts so that we can receive sometimes what the Holy Spirit's trying to share with us. Absolutely. Very true. You have a book. It is available for pre-sale on May 15th, which is not too far away. So it's called, It's Not My Weed to Pull, A Diary of a Control Freak. And so you talked about that. You mentioned that already, but I thought it was a very cool story of how you came up with that title. It was a fun day. It was a day out in my garden, pulling weeds. Um, and while I was pulling my weeds, I noticed over in my, my neighbor's garden that she had a pretty good sized weed growing up in the middle of her beautiful, like prize winning flower, but she's so, so proud of. And I saw it and I thought, oh. I'm going to help her. I need to go pull this weed. And, and then I'll make sure I tell her. So she knows I didn't let her get embarrassed. And I pulled that weed for her. And on my way over, literally got up, brushed myself off from my own garden, walking over to pull her weed. The Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and he said, stop, it's not your weed to pull. And when that happened, it, it was like, if you're old enough and you used to have a view master when you were a little kid, that's what it was for me. So it was like, I see he doesn't, the picture's worth a thousand words. So he doesn't say big things to me. It's like short things in a quick picture. And I know a lot in a very short period of time. Right. So what happened was he showed me these pictures of, I thought I was going to surgically go in and pull out this weed and it was going to be beautiful. But what he showed me was when I go into friends' lives, husband lives, family members' lives to help them pull this weed out or the speck in their eye or whatever. I'm going in to pull it out. Oh, I think I'm doing it so delicately with just precision. And what was happening is I'm holding it up like I got it. And the whole flower bed is devastated that I have devastated this beautiful flower garden going after that one little weed and that I am not as strategic as I think I am. So that's how the book title came about. And honestly, it was almost 30 years ago that that happened, but he had me going through much life experience to be able to actually now write the book and actually be able to, to be able to say, yeah, I've lived this out now and I can actually laugh at myself and I'm giving you examples. And after example, lots of stories of my own life, telling on myself about how I, um, how he's walked me through this. And so it, it still happens 70 every day, even yesterday, just pulling into the gas station with my husband and, and, tempted instantly to say, Oh, you should pull in there. Oh, look, that guy's moving, move your car around, trying to direct him how to go get gas. And instantly I go, hey, you hear the Holy Spirit stop. I still struggle. This is a daily thing to stop it. He can get gas by himself. He's a grown man. He can figure out how to get gas. 
I can just sit here relaxed, but I'm like a perpetual helper. I'm helping and it's not, it's interfering and it's rude and I'm hurting people. And, you know, our intentions might be mm-hmm. fabulous, but it brings pain and it's not bringing right. life. Right. I, I totally get that. I, I've never thought of myself as a control freak, but I definitely know I have tendencies. And um, when I know whenever my husband and I go to Sam's Club, there's an entrance and there's an exit. There's two doors. So when I go by myself, I go and I always park by the exit so that when I come out with my car, there's my car, I'm, you know, closest. He always parks by the entrance. And so I, every single time we go together, I just want to say, how about parking over there next to the exit? And then I just finally just stopped myself and said, no, he can park wherever he wants. <laughs> you know? I'll just follow him into the store. It's not a big deal where we park. Why do I make it a big yeah. deal? So exactly. And these things happen over and over. And it's so fun in, in doing the workshops. It's so fun because I get a lot of feedback, mm-hmm. you know, and we have like, just just in fun, it's the Controllers Anonymous, Control Freaks Anonymous Facebook group, or you can go to Controllers Anonymous page on Facebook and find us because it's just us laughing at ourselves. Like we're not truly like, I feel like we're not all on our faces. There might be some of us who have literally gone to the extreme of Control Freak, but most of us have some controlling tendencies that again, we're just trying to make someone's life better. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, we, it's not like, okay, we're not trying to tell, be in control. We just know how to do it better. Mm-hmm. We've through our experience, we've learned, especially if you have adult children, you're like, I just want to help them so that they're not going to make the same mistakes that I made. And sometimes he's, it's just not your readable. We use the term control freak and it's, it's kind of funny and it's kind of sarcastic, but when you're really a control freak, it's kind of insulting. Um, people who really are control freaks, they don't want to hear that they're a control freak. And so you, you know, you can use it in jest, but you have to be careful when you use it and somebody takes that as, you know, becomes offended by it. And so, um, so it, it's kind of one of those right, words. I right. mean, it's easy to say about ourselves, but you don't necessarily want to call somebody else that. <laughs> Not ever. No. And I, I feel like in all the arenas that I'm in and when we're using that terminology, it's self-proclaimed, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and we're, and it's all in jest, like, right really taking the time to realize and and knowing that control comes in different phases. So you can be the completely in your face controller, which I have, I have been. And that's when he was showing me the relationships that I had lost things that I had bridges I had burned because I was helping. That's my air quotes. I was helping them know how to be a better parent or a wife or whatever, and trying to pull weeds and help them out. Or then there's the covert. And this is stuff I talk about quite a bit in the workshops, also in the book is the covert controller. And that's the one who might go by with a little drive-by, the drive-by spray bottle of like weed killer, you know, that you drove. <laughs> it, and it doesn't, some of us are like, I don't have any issues with control, but do you use the silent treatment to get what you want? Is there a little look like, hmm, okay, that's how you want to do it. And it's a simple, it's still manipulation. It's still not okay. You're manipulating and trying to control the situation. And sometimes it's very passive aggressive. And I was telling you, I have a a definition of passive aggressive I Mm -hmm. use often, and it's actually from the Mayo Clinic. So it's not my personal one. It's passive aggressive behavior is a pattern of indirectly expressing negative feelings instead of openly addressing them. And 
we know that's happening as if in, and mm-hmm. I've been controlled by people passive aggressively. Like, do you leave a conversation feeling confused and questioning? Did, did I say something wrong? Did I do this? And you don't leave the conversation with life. You're confused and you're questioning things. You, you probably have been a victim of that covert control of someone just like, oh, that's pretty dress. If good, I mean, I wish I could wear something like that. And then you walk away and you're like, is it really pretty? Or was that an insult or? Yeah, exactly. So there's these little covert things and we do it a lot with our children and our husband, like, oh, is that what you're going to wear? You know, and when about going out to dinner or something, you know, instead of just directly, you know, passive aggressive, instead of openly addressing it. um, And the word says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Like it's, we, we just need to be clear and loving and uh, the truth in Mm -hmm. love doesn't not in Right. My, well, I won't say who it is, but there was a family member who has passed away by at, at this point, but, but very loving woman, very caring. Um, but she made a comment once I homeschooled our children and, um, she approached me one day and just said, I am so surprised how well your children have come out of this homeschooling process. And I am just so it's so good to see how, you know, how smart they are and how well educated they are. And when I walked away from that, I'm like, was I just insulted or was that a compliment? You know, because I was really trying to understand she used the word surprise. So what did she think I couldn't do it? Was she surprised at what I knew, what I was able to teach, you know, I, like you said, I left confused. I didn't know whether it was a compliment or whether it was an insult. And and so um, that was kind of weird, but you're right. You know, so when you come away from something feeling that way, it's like, what was just said to me? Because I'm not, I don't even know what was just said to me. <laughs> and how many people have we made feel that way? I mean, I, I, I have, I have three questions that I have everyone ask themselves before we really open our mouth, first of all, does this need to be said? That's the first question we should ask, because does it need to be said? And I always ask, I kind of have a fourth one about my motive. Like, what's my motive to say this? Like simple things, like even, I mean, and I, I have to go through this process. It's a practice. Even daily this morning had to ask myself, I almost said something to my husband. It was random. Um, something about like, why'd you take the towel away? And think, does this need to be even said? Why? So I make him feel bad that he removed the towel and I needed it. Why am I saying this? Like, it seems silly, but I want to be a good steward of my words. So the first thing is, does it need to be said? Second, am I the one that needs to say it? So if I'm asking the Holy one, like Holy spirit, like what does this need to be said? And you're like, yeah, this does need to be said. So clear. Then the next question, am I the one that needs to say it? Mm. And usually I don't get past that. And usually it's no, but you need to pray about it. I just want you, it does need to be said, but I'm going to, he's going to say it to them. And I need to just pray and agree that what, if there's any blocks or on it, that he can't hear it or she can't hear it, whatever. And then the third one, if I do make it past, am I the one to say it? And I get the yes. The third one is, is now the time to Mm -hmm. say it? Because a lot of time timing is everything, right? Being in the right time. And there's a, there's a, 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 a word in due season is, 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 is surgical. And like father, that your let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your right. sight, right? Like, let that's going through that process, because otherwise, we're saying something to control, to be mean. Like, is this life giving? Mm-hmm. Why am I trying to pull this weed? 
is it mine to pull? No, probably. Usually it's usually I don't get past number mm-hmm. one. And then I think you make a very good point because oftentimes if it comes up and you're frustrated, then it's not going to come out well, even if it needs to be said, even if it's for you to say the timing is when you're not frustrated, when you're not angry, when you're not sad, you know, when you can just have a very calm, loving conversation. You know, there have definitely been times like that because in my own marriage, when it was just, yes, it needs to be said. Yes, it's for me to say because it affects me, but now's not the right time. So you're right. Those are very good points. Um, Very crucial points, I think, that we should all go through in our minds to really in any in any relationship. Absolutely. And I think that the. One of the things, and I know this is a topic we wanted to hit, was that one of the things that we start with is it's a process of giving up our Mm -hmm. will. It's a process of letting go because I was talking to uh, my neighbor next door and she was saying, he was showing me, Charlie, as I was listening to you and I was listening to you teach on something that my hands were, my hands are so tight and my hands, because I'm trying to have control and I'm trying to make sure everything goes right and my family's happy and this is going right and it all. And I really, he was showing me like, you have your hands so tight. I can't do anything. So we need to open hands. That's how we build things. That's how we restore things is with our hands open and raised up. And that's part of the, you know, I have a passion for teaching the, the, uh, the sacrifice system in Leviticus. It's the, in Hebrew, it's called the Korbanots. Korbanot is plural. It's a Korban. If it's one Korbanot is if it's more than one. So it's Korbanots is all of the we're translated in English as sacrifices and the, a better translation is an approach. They are established approaches so that we can be in the presence of mm. our father, our king, our bridegroom. And the example I always give is my dog. When, if it's done something bad and I come home, it doesn't run and jump up in my lap. It hides from me much like they did in the garden. When I um, do something wrong, I hide from him and there's something keeping me from running into his presence. And it could be, there's five things. There's five approaches. There's five ways. I make a way for my dog that I have to sit down. I have to call her. I get a little snack. I do all the things after I've picked up the garbage that she's gotten into. And then I get her on my lap and I make it okay. And there's that weird awkward stage, you know, and then she's fine. That kind of happens to us. And, and, and without going into the whole teaching mm-hmm. on it, but the first one, which you and I've discussed is that Korban Ola. The first one is the full burnt up offering. And I just present that you consider that that's your will is coming to the Holy One. That's why in the Lord's prayer, he says, not my will, but yours be done, right? Like it's, and so the first thing we have to do is give up our will and it's a full, nothing is left of us. It's our open hand saying, Father, I'm giving you my children, my life, my time. I have control of nothing. So I'm just going to give up my will. I'm going to give up my plans and my control with open hands, knowing that you're the one in control. And, and because we're, even though we think we're in control, it is, totally uh it's it's counterfeit we're not in any control we think we're in control with these tight fists he's like you're in control of nothing and you can't receive anything so tightly fist around things so my prayer is that women is you know all women but especially women in leadership seem to struggle in this area the most and that's my passion is that find so much freedom in leading with open hands from a servant from a servant leadership perspective in your home Mm -hmm. in your ministries in your businesses that you're leading with open hands and as a servant. 
giving up that will. Mm-hmm. I even remember the Lord telling me that in a situation where I was trying to hold on to some friends and there was some real negative things going on back and forth. And the Lord was telling me, open your hands and release them because they're not the friends I want you to have. And I, I think of that often. And then for you to bring that up, because when I shared this story with somebody else, um, she just looked at me and she was like, that's exactly what the Lord told me about in this other situation. She was like, the Lord just said, open your hands. And, and, and I think of even Moses, he, he basically said, what's in your hand and how often we can think of those things. And when our hands are closed, you can't grasp anything. You can't, you can't praise the Lord when your fists are closed. You can't hold a hand. You can't give a hug. You know, your your body, your arms, everything's tensed when you're holding your hands in a clenched fist. And so to open them is like you said, I mean, it's a perfect analogy, but it's, it's, it's a sign of surrender. I think we can think of water too. If you think of like a, a water, there has to be fresh water coming in and, and water going out. I'm sure on, on, on your farm, you have a pond or some type of a water source and if that water source gets plugged up to where it's like just a stagnant pond and it becomes stagnant there's no fresh water coming in Mm -hmm. there's no aeration happening there's no way for it to leave like there needs to be water leaving out and fresh water coming in if it if you don't it becomes stagnant right Mm -hmm. and then what happens is it's a breeding ground for disease because uh, mosquitoes then start laying their larvae all around in it because all kinds it and it that then it starts breeding disease and it's not fresh and it's not life-giving anymore. It's the same with us. We have to let go so that we allow the freshness of the Holy spirit, fresh revelation. Uh, I mean, just so many things in my whole life, Stephanie, that I have just like, I, I'm sure I've, I have, uh, uh, the disease in my life or my mouth, things coming out of my mouth, fresh life-giving things weren't coming out of my mouth because I was holding everything so Mm. tight inside. Mm. That's good. I um, want to switch over, but still talking about control. But when I took a class on strongholds, wh- probably 10 years ago, um, one of the things I learned was was how control is often a byproduct of fear. So when you want to control things, it comes from a someplace of fear, which comes ultimately from a place of an injustice or even a a woundedness in some way, shape, or form. And the more I have learned about control, the more I see and or start looking for, I should even say, the fear behind the control. Have you found that in your own life? Absolutely. I wrote a whole chapter on that that's rooted in fear. Control is rooted in fear. We have pride. I mean, there's some pride that's in there too, but it's usually Mm -hmm. fear. Pride, the root of, usually fear is, is a root of pride. So because we're afraid it's going to make us look bad. And uh, I was just opening up my workbook here. One of the things I I ask is what is the fear that's driving you to be controlling? Mm -hmm. And it can be as simple as I'm afraid people are going to talk bad about me because my kids aren't behaving a certain way. I'm afraid people are going to uh, think we are hoodlums or whatever, fill in the blank, because my Mm -hmm. children don't have a certain thing on or their hair is not a certain way or whatever your the fear is what other people think about you i'm afraid that this is how i will be perceived and mm-hmm. i'm afraid my children will be perceived and judged a certain way 
because this is how they present themselves. So Mm -hmm. that can be, that's the simple, Stephanie, that's a simple fear. And we can get into deep stuff like the, the fear that it it manifests this control, which then we'll see it. And I see it more than ever in my life in, as a nurse, as a professional, as a coach for women in leadership, um, in all of my ministry, I have never seen panic and anxiety at such a rampant rate that it is Right. right now. And I believe today, my understanding is it's rooted in that fear. And we're told, we're told, we're told in Philippines, be anxious for nothing, be anxious for nothing, be anxious for nothing. I mean, how many times are we told fear not? I've heard 365 times, one for every Mm -hmm. day of the year. I have not tested that out. So don't, I don't know for sure. So go count them, but there's a lot. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that there's nothing by accident in his word. I'm a whole Testament believer from Genesis to revelation. So there's a reason something's in there or not in there. I believe that he, he has ordained it for whatever reason. So there's a reason for that. But if we have a, you know, ultimately the, the cure is a, a, a practice of gratitude is walking in gratitude in everything. Be anxious for mm-hmm. nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then guess what happens? And then you go take a Xanax. No. And then the peace of God that transcends all understanding, all Xanax, all happy pills, all the endorphins from exercise, all the things you're trying to do instead of just being grateful. It guards your heart and your mind in him. And it's perfect. It's that perfect shalom. And shalom, as you know, is not shalom is not uh, the absence of chaos by no means. The word shalom is not just peace. It's a place of being in a place of wholeness, not an unfractured state in the midst of chaos. Right. And how, how much better of a witness are we when we walk into a state that's control, that's the ultimate fruit of the spirit of self-control. When you're emotionally Mm -hmm. intelligent enough to know, keep my pie hole shut. It's not mine to talk about. It's keep, keep myself from my hands, keep my hands from trying to touch something. We'll, we'll talk about this week. We're, we're in when, when uh, the uh, high priest, we have blood on his ear, blood on his thumb, blood on his toe. What am I, I'm going to be careful what I hear. Remember we hear a little, be careful little ears, what you hear, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be careful. What am I listening to? What am I allowing to go in? That's going to, because I have things that trigger me, Stephanie, that trigger me to be controlling. And I know I have to keep away from those things. So I'm going to shema only the voice of God so that I know, is it mine to say? So if I'm listening is, do I put my hands to it to, to pull it? Is it my weed to pull or not? And am I to go certain places? Am I to go into some area? Maybe not. Maybe I have. So I have to consecrate all those areas so I can shema, I can listen, asa, shamar, do, hear, walk it out. I can do all those things with him right. because he's approved, he's approved it. And that's mm-hmm. ultimate, that is a self-control that's powered by the control of the Holy Spirit. Right. And self-control is not being a control freak. Absolutely it's not. Self- no. No. Yeah, self-control is controlling all those tendencies. It's 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 it like you said. I mean, it's definitely surrender, but it's praying and saying, "I don't want to feel fear in this situation. So, give me peace. If you need to give me understanding, that's fine, but even if I don't understand, I want to be able to trust you in this situation and walk through it regardless of what's going on around me." When my daughter had COVID, it was very early in the COVID 
time. So it was it was March 2020. And my daughter had a lot of um, early health problems. She was a premature baby. So she was on oxygen for many, many months. Um, she came home from the hospital on oxygen. So she had weak lungs. Now she's 25 at this point, but what is going on is now she, her chest is hurting. And and what are you hearing? You know, what are we hearing in March and April and June and July of 2020? We're hearing about all the people on respirators and all the people whose lungs are failing. So my tendency was to immediately, I felt myself becoming anxious. I felt fear and I just gave it to the Lord. And and I, I don't say that lightly because that's all I knew to do. And I had no control over what was going on. So I just said, Lord, I am going to be honest. I am scared. I feel fear coming over me like a flood. And immediately he just said, I took care of your daughter when she was a preemie. When her lungs collapsed, I filled them with air. I can do it again. I will do it again. And boom, I had this peace and I never doubted. Now, it doesn't mean that every situation turns out like that. My daughter was healed in a matter of days um, without us doing anything anything for her the lord just healed her but but my point is is that situation where anybody would say yes you had a right to feel fearful you had a right to be scared you had a right to be anxious i didn't want to be i wanted to be i wanted god's peace so so there are times when we might look at it as being justified but we still don't have to stay there we don't have to justify it we can rely on the Lord to take it away. Yeah. I think that's interesting that you have a right to do that. And yeah, it's, I think that's one of those things where, you know, we hear it misquoted often where people say, well, he won't give you more than you can handle. That's not biblical. The verse mm-hmm. actually says he won't give you more temptation than you can handle. And with every temptation, he'll give you a way out. I think that exactly. that's one of those temptations when someone says, well, you have a right to do that, or you, you could justify it because of your past history or experience. You could be tempted to fear you're tempted to doubt you're tempted to be anxious and then we have a way out we have jesus Mm -hmm. we have yeshua we know that he took everything to the cross for us we know that his word is true and so he i mean i continually tell myself some trust in horses some trust in chariots but i'm going to trust in the name of our god especially during a pandemic especially we you know you guys are going to hear we're in the last days i personally believe that we're I'm looking for, I'm listening for that trumpet, but we know that things are happening. We hear about banking systems collapsing. We hear about our dollar collapsing. We hear about all these things that are happening. Is that what you trust in? And then you're going to try to control it and run around and squeeze really tight to every dollar you have figured out. I'm not saying you don't be wise and you don't, you know, Joseph had to save up for seven years to have money for, to have things for seven years. Gary, I'm just saying, don't let it be rooted in fear because don't trust in horses and chariots, governments, whatever. Trust in the name of your God. And what do you know his name? Do you know all do you know all his names? Do you know him? Do you know who he is? Because when you know him, you can trust in the name. You know he's Jehovah Jireh. You know he is Jehovah Rapha. You know who he is. You can stand on that and call out to him. And knowing that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. 
not with like our hands closed by our might right. and our power. I ha- I have a, I would, I, I make a joke about you might be, uh, you might have fatigue, control fatigue. And one of the ways, you know, you have control fatigue, which I believe is the fear when you're, when that fear, I'm continuing on with that, the, it, I, it, I can identify with that most of the time it's, it's rooted in fear. If you can just take a minute and look in the mirror, just look in the mirror at yourself. Are you, are you tired? Mm-hmm. Are you just plain exhausted, tired, overwhelmed? so overwhelmed, frustrated all the time, just so frustrated, angry all the time, no joy. You're not feeling like a little girl twirling around your house, twirling. There's no twirling. How about foul language? Do you just suddenly turn into a pirate and you're like, this is not who I am, but now I'm a pirate today because I'm just so frustrated and overwhelmed and exhausted and so easily triggered. Or when you look in the mirror, is there joy? doesn't mean you have control of anything. It doesn't mean everything's going right. I'm not saying live on Fantasy Island. I'm just saying, where is your trust? Or are you sitting in that fear and that fear is leading to you trying to control everything and that is burning you out and you can't minister out of that. Right. You can't. And he's called you to such great things that I believe that it is. Now, I'm not the person who's going to tell you that um, there's a devil. I don't think he's behind every rock. I don't believe the devil. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. I don't think he's sitting on your shoulder and we're going to blame him for everything. You do have an evil inclination. You have your flesh. You submit to it all the time. But I do believe that there's themes that the enemy of our us, we know he's like a roaring lion seeking to he's going to devour. He can't be everywhere. So I don't think I'm that important that he's coming to my house. But I do know that there's an overarching theme that he starts to to, uh, speak to women in general. So he's doing social media where we're comparing ourselves or where we think we should, we start shoulding all over ourselves and other people. You should do it this way. I should be doing this. I got to should do this because we see other people. I think that he influences the media. He influences all kinds of publications. He influences religious realms. He, re- he does influence that. So that falls down on us, not to be an excuse why we make poor choices. We have to own that. I think this cr- believers, we often blame him for stuff. He didn't even, he's not even <laughs> there know. for I know. It's more credit than he should. It's have. like, no, that was you. I mean, that was all you, sister. I'm sorry. Right. That was all you. Take it, or brother. You know, it's all you. But I think that when we get to that place where we are taking, we understand that there's a theme right now for women to be in that place of controlling. And that's what I feel like. I feel like, I mean, I joke saying it's not my weed to pull, isn't just a book, it's a movement. I want women to be set free set free and their hands are up so that they are walking in who they're called to be in freedom, not exhaustion, not frustration, not because they got one more thing to do now. How am I going to do it? But such freedom. And I love the story. And I, I tell the story in the book and in, again, in workshops in Ezekiel one, I'm going to read it if you don't mind. In Ezekiel one, 24 and 25, it says, when the creatures moved, he would hear the sound of, the, he would hear the sound of the wings, like a roar of rushing waters and like the voice of the almighty like the the tumult of an army. And when they stood still, they lowered their wings and there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. And the first time that he brought me to that, he brought me to this place. And I mean, being still, we know Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I'm God. That word is rapa. And it's to cast down or to throw or to relax and let your hands lay, lay down. When their wings did that, you could hear the voice because the, 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 the sound, it was so loud. And then the minute their wings come down, the voice mm. spoke. 
And we know that he was not in the wind and the in the earthquake. He's the still small voice. Are your wings going so so loud? Your hands are just doing so much trying to do it yourself. So loud that you don't hear his voice. And he's just saying, wings down, girl. Right. Wings down. I want to talk to you. It's not that hard. Exactly. And and it is true. I mean, we see that throughout scripture that that you know, when Jesus went to meet with his father, he did it in a quiet place. He did it after mm-hmm. all the chaos of the day or all the chaos of feeding 5,000, 4,000 of whatever the, you know, whatever he did, all the healing, he, he would make that time. And, and I think that it's true. The, the voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit isn't going to speak over all of our chaos. He wants us to get to the quiet place where we can hear him. Not that he's going to shout over everything that we put ourselves in the middle of or we surround ourselves with. Stephanie, I, I think this is good because if not just for us, what if we flip this? He's not going to shout over us to our husbands, mm-hmm. to our spouses, to our children. We're so loud controlling things and trying to be in the middle of all of it, playing Holy Ghost Junior, putting our big old sheriff badge on that we're just jumping in. We're going to do it. If we're so loud, they can't hear him. Right. Because what they're doing is it's stirring up the anger against us. That emotion is stirring up that they're upset with us. They're just like, stop butting in my business, whatever it is. It's there. They get so riled up against us that they don't hear him. But if we're quiet and we've seen something and we just pray, guess what happens? Now they hear his voice because our wings are down. Mm, Very good point. It is about us because we do need to lay our hands down. And, and I love, you know, that whole picture and all, you know, I love going into the the Hebrew of that beautiful, the word picture of putting your arms down that Rapa, that putting your, your arms down, but it's off. It's, it's about them. If we're doing that, not only are we hearing him, but they're hearing him and then they're doing it his way and not our way. And that's going to benefit everybody. That's true. That's true. And even in our own children, you know, I mean, you're right. I mean, if, if we're always, shouting and complaining and criticizing and even if even if it's something they need to learn if we're always the one trying to teach them with our own voice and not just praying and asking the holy spirit to speak to them or or just being quiet and letting the holy spirit speak you know it makes such a difference in their life and i'm all for our children i mean i have three children and one is still here and the other two have moved out. But I think that the Lord can speak to them in some ways so much better when we're not around because we're not there trying to parent and control everything. And now they're on their own. They're ha- they have to make decisions and find out the consequences of those decisions. And just like we do, right? And we know there's no grand, there's no grandchildren in heaven. They're, they're his children. They're not his grandchildren. Right. 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 So there's so much that goes with control because obviously control and fear are not the only strongholds in our lives. There are many strongholds that we develop through injustices and, and woundedness and betrayal. Um, And we could do a whole whole podcast just on strongholds, but I always just dealt with rejection. And for me, 
then not wanting to be rejected, I would fear something or, you know, it would like they would cross over in that the rejection, not wanting to be rejected, I would try to control a situation or I would be in fear that this would happen or that would happen or I would be rejected again or what have you. And sometimes things happen because of doors we allow to open um, that we walk through. And sometimes things happen that are out of our control that it's because of somebody else's sin, you know, it's it, but yet we have, we pay the consequences for that sin in a sense. And we have to trust Romans eight twenty eight. We have to trust that it's all going to work for our good. And um, there's a book, it's very rabbinical, um, spit out the bones when you read it. It's by Shaloma Roos called the garden of gratitude. It will change your mm. life, but the it's basically Romans eight twenty eight. It's telling you it's all good. When it's bad, it's good. It's mm. all good. If something really bad is happening to you right now, can you have such a strong practice of gratitude in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, present your request to God? Can you do that in everything? Is Can you believe that this is all going to work for my good? Father, I thank you. This is painful, but I know it's going to work for my good. Father, I thank you. My child is a hot mess right now, but I thank you because you finish what you start. You promised me that you promised that what you, that, that, that they were raised in the right way, that they're going to come back eventually. I thank you, father, that this is going to work for their good. And I promise you it is the magic pill. You take that gratitude pill and the situation won't change necessarily, but your perspective mm-hmm. will and hands open up your wings go down you hear his voice. He guards your heart and your mind. So you don't have all the vain imaginations. What if she says this? And right. what if I do this? And if they say this and all those quiet and down and it's freedom, mm, it is sister, brother, it's freedom. It's freedom. And gratitude is huge. You're right. Because Jesus never said we wouldn't suffer. He never, ever said that we wouldn't go through hard times. He said the opposite. He, he assured us that we would. And so when we, you know, and I can't place the verse, but it's like, why are you surprised at your current suffering? (laughs) I mean, you know, the author said, why are you surprised? We shouldn't be surprised that we suffer. We shouldn't be surprised that we are, we go through hard times, that we suffer with grief, that we suffer pain in one way or another, because we live in a fallen world. But Peter four, okay, thank you. First Peter, first Peter four. I Googled it. I Googled it. I didn't know that from heart. I, won't I know it's cool. in there. Just, I, just I actually like taught Peter, but it's like Paul first Peter, Peter four. One of them said this. One of the guys, one of the P guys. Yeah. So, but it's, um, I think when you can come to a place and not act surprised that something bad happened, then you can't, then you can see the, where you can be thankful. Um, you know, I was telling you off camera earlier that, you know, our little lamb died and it's one I've been caring for, for three weeks, but you know, just this morning, I, I thanked the Lord for that little life. (laughs) It gets me emotional, (laughs) but I thanked the Lord for the three weeks I had him and the three weeks that I was able to keep him alive and help him grow and and it's the same no matter what it is you know as hard as death is 
if we look at it that we can be thankful for the time that we had, then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take away the grief of losing, but it, it helps. It helps us. It puts us in a different mind frame that we can be grateful for what he gave us, for what he allowed. And I just think that we need to practice more gratitude. We need to practice more thankfulness in every situation, like Philippians says, because that is what changes our attitude, our heart, our outlook, our mind, everything. That's what changes everything. I'm I'm excited to hear testimonies as, and again, I speak to women. So I, for all the male guys, mm-hmm. guys, sorry, this means you too, but I, I am excited to hear the testimonies of how your home has changed because you started being thankful. Now, when I started reading that book, Garden of Gratitude, I threw it across the room several times. I'm like, ah, I'm not reading back. And then I'd pick it back up and then I'd mm. go back in again and I'd pick it back up because it was so hitting me like this can't be. Oh, I have, I, and even in this, I'm grateful, mm-hmm. even in the hard things. And it's okay to not be okay. There's some, someone might need to hear that. It's okay to not be okay, but you can still be grateful when you're not okay. Like, like you can see Stephanie was like grieving the loss of it's okay to grieve. There's a time for that. We know there's a time for everything. So spend the time grieving. Don't get stuck in it. Don't get stuck in your grief. Some right. of you are telling the same story you've been telling for five or 10 years about who left you and who hurt you and who right. abused you and who that's not your story. Yeah. We're won over by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So if our testimony is I'm, a, I'm wounded and I'm hurt and I'm a control, I'm controlling. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to control. So you can't hurt me. And I'm going to tell you about how I'm a victim all the time because that that's, that's a stronghold in my life. Right. I'm going to just pray that you get delivered of that because your story should be that he's delivered you. He set you free, that you're grateful because you know, he's doing a new thing that old things are passed away and all mm. things become new, that you are new in Christ. You're a new creature that he's, he is so faithful to keep building you because he never quits on us. He finishes right. the work. And just that's your testimony. People are like, wow, I know, I know that her story is kind of a hot mess, and but look at her attitude and look at who God is in her. And that is how we mm-hmm. save the world. That's very true. So, well, thank you. I appreciate all of your, your wisdom and knowledge on this subject and um, for being transparent. And I appreciate that because I think you gave a lot of good points that we all need to to understand and take into consideration and and mainly remember you know i just read this morning one of the most repeated commands in the bible is remember 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 this remember that remember what your god did for you remember and when we remember you know it's it's not only remember with thankfulness but remembering what he did and what he will do you know so yes I love that word. The word is the car and it's, it isn't like right. you forgot it. <clears throat> it isn't forgetful. It's bringing it back mm-hmm. to the front of your mind because a lot of times stuff gets in the way and it pushes it back, but keep bringing it to the front forefront. Keep bringing it to that's what needs to guide and lead us. And thankfulness is Those remembering things. what he did, remembering how he got you through something. And so thank you. I appreciate you so much. And Thank you. It was fun. It was a blessing. I look forward to your book again. It's not my weed to pull diary of a control freak. It will be on pre-sale May 15th. 
Yeah, I'm excited. When you come in, if you come in on the pre-sale on May 15th, um, we are going to do, we're giving away, uh, we're going to do a special webinar, which will be a three-hour webinar uh, for all those who are involved in the pre-sale, whether it's the ebook or the tangible book. If you get the tangible book, you'll get a signed copy and a free ebook um, in that pre-sale period uh, from May 15th to June 1st. And we're going to do, uh, we're doing a um, free giveaway of that webinar. So you, I'll be live with you. I'm going to teach through a lot of the same things we talked about today, but in more depth. And you'll get a downloadable uh, workbook that goes with that as well. And that goes into that pre-sale. So you can just go to um, it's not my forward slash resources. And that will be in your show notes, I'm sure. We'll get that to you. But if you go in there and click on that, you can actually get the download of that and be, and you can see about uh, the pre-sale as well. Okay, sounds awesome. And you're right. I will leave um, different links in the show notes on my website and you can find them there. So that'll be helpful to find you and your book. So thank you. Have an thank awesome you. day and I appreciate you being here. Blessings, everyone. Shalom. Shalom. Thank you for listening to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. You can find me at www.graftedjewishroots.com. You can also find me on Twitter at GraftedJewishRT. I appreciate you being with me, and I'll see you next time.